0: Okay, today we're going to learn different ideas relating to education ok so we'll start but we'll start with uh, a very very important mimer from the it's called the Rebbe Hakodem the Friedricha Rebbe, Yosef Yitzhak Schneerson and he wrote a, a short pamphlet on seven tna'im seven uh, stipulations, or eight sot, uh, advices for a educator. And these seven are extremely important. Any educator who really, really takes these seven ideas to heart, uh, it's extremely helpful, very, very helpful. So he begins with what he calls self-knowledge. In other words, before an educator is on the level to educate others, he has to know himself. He has to know why he's in education. Has to know his strengths and weaknesses. And has to have an honest appraisal of his relationship with God, (coughs) with the world around And especially with his, like I said, his motivations and his reasons for being in education. So ordinarily we might tend to skip this. And just get, okay, what do I have to do as an educator? How do I turn on the students? But He says the first thing is if you don't know yourself, if you don't have a clear hejbon and nefesh, and have a Yeshu hadat have, have a settled mind and a balanced perception of oneself how can you give over anything to someone else the first level is self-knowledge the second is hakshara preparation and I've seen this many 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 times you can have a tamid hacham you have someone who's extremely wise and knows the gemora backwards, forwards, inside and out Shokhan Orch by heart but if you put that same person in a classroom or in a educational setting he'll have no idea how to give it over that it can be received as he can give over the halacha, he can give over the, the daf gemora give over the, the learning But it doesn't mean that he knows how to make it be received on the other side. So any educator needs hakshara. In other words, education is a lot more than just knowing the information that one wants to give over. There are hundreds of useful tools to know in order to be a good educator. So that's the second uh, stipulation of a good educator, is to prepare themselves properly to be an educator. The third is knowing the student and the student's situation. And this is a critical one where, uh, I'll just give an example, When, when I'm asked to speak, and I'm given a subject. So my, my first question is, who am I speaking to? Are they religious? Are they not religious? Are they... How old are they? What is their backgrounds? What's the community like? Is it Ashkenazic? Is it Hasidic? Are they unaffiliated? Where is it going to be? It is it in the shul? It is it in the JCC? The setting is also very important. So in other words, to know who the people you are educating, what are their families like, what, and even, let's say even if they're religious, there are so many different types of religious, that if you prepare to speak to, let's say, what you think are going to be modern orthodox, and it turns out it's a Haridi crowd it goes without saying you're not going to say the same thing you're going to say it completely differently so that's in a general sense in a general sense but in a more specific sense let's say you're, you're, you're dealing with formal education where you'll have a class of, of 20 and you're with that class the whole year First of all, we also know that there's a huge difference between the way we teach formally and the way we teach informally. If you have uh, students at a one-time shot, you're going to approach it much different than if you have a whole year with them or a whole month. You have you have to think of these things uh, beforehand. But on even on a more specific level, let's say you have twenty students in your class it's the responsibility of the educator to get to know each of the students to know their situation because let's say three of the students are from divorced homes so those students they need a a special angle a special caring. It can't all be lumped together. Maybe one of them's parents, God forbid, um, has cancer. And there's a whole medical crisis in the family. So one has to know that. If one doesn't know that, you'll see a student acting out or depressed or showing up late. But if you don't take the time to find out why is that happening, so you'll just like discipline them, in a general manner which is totally inappropriate totally inappropriate so in in the ideal sense obviously we can't always do this if it's what we call informal education especially when you have groups just for one Shabbaton or a group comes in and you're speaking to them for one hour Okay, so a lot of times this isn't as appropriate but uh, Getting to know the situation with students in general, you have to do all the time. You have to do all the time. I know among the students that I work with, that uh, from university to university, there's a huge difference what motivates an English-speaking student to go to Hebrew U for the year or to go to Tel Aviv University completely different motivations so if I would give the same class I would have to give it completely differently totally differently depending on who is there and even more specific is it reform, is it conservative is it orthodox and then you have to be very sensitive to things that you can say with one group that you cannot say with another group You'll, like you'll lose them immediately. So that's the third one is knowing the students and knowing their situation. Fourth is to know what attracts them and what repels them. And again this is from community to community from age group to age group. First you just have to know the general like who the students are, where they're coming from, what their background is are there any crises? are there any extenuating circumstances but then it's what's going to turn them on and what's going to turn them off if you go to a community where uh, Canadians, we're talking about the Canadians here ah okay so I have this all the time until I get sensitive in in Israel um, I would mention uh, in the United States, and the Canadians would say, "Well, what about Canada? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you know, Canada? Right?" When you talk about Canadians in Montreal. You talk about Canadian. It's like talking about uh, the Yankees in New York. Yeah, yeah. So that means the, the, the hockey team. The life is God, and is the Canadians. <laughs> But well, that's true. So now I always say in North America. I've trained myself because I know for the Canadians it might sound like very trite. But when when a student is listening to a teacher if they perceive that they're, they're different from me. They can't they don't understand me. They can't relate to me. They don't know what's important to me. So then the, your words are going to go in one ear and not the other but if you're as we just said if you're in Denver and you come in and the first thing you say is something about the Rockies and the World Series so it, it's very unconscious but it's like oh he understands us doesn't mean that they consciously think it he understands it I'll listen to him so it's very very important to understand if you come to a city and there's a Uh, we'll just talk in Jewish terms there's a uh, uh, a Jewish rock group from that city right so you mention them oh I just saw so and so and they'll go oh really wow so I'm from the Moshav and so I use this all the time is you heard about the Moshav band? anyone seen the Moshav band? yeah yeah that's my Moshav and they go really you're from that most a completely different experience how they're gonna listen to like right? that's that's what turns them on then there's a whole list of things that might turn them off if you're talking to a group that you can you can perceive you just you just know that there's a lot of intermarriage within this particular group type of student if you start talking about intermarriage and assimilation you're going to turn off half of the students half of the students are because you're personally um, almost insulting them because in that particular group it could turn out that 35% or 40% of them are from mixed marriages so if you start railing against inner marriage but you're not sensitive to who you're saying it to, lost them not only lost them but turned them off uh, seriously so again we could come up with a million examples for this but it's so important to to be super sensitive to this the next one is to have a plan there's a lot of educators that think they can wing it. That feel like I know, you know I know all this information, and whatever I'm going to tell the students, you know they're going to gain by it. That's not a proper approach. That if you have one hour with a group, so you need to plan. The what's the most important things I could say in this hour? If you have a month and you have a month to learn the Megillah you you don't just start from Pirak Aleph we'll get as far as we get you have to plan the time you have to plan your lessons you have to pace yourself you have to build up to a certain uh, climax point within the lecture or within the series of lectures and this takes a lot of planning. This takes a lot of planning. And like I say, many educators, especially once they've been doing it a little while, so then it's so easy to fall back on, whatever I say though, you know, it's more than they know already. But does that mean that you're really give giving over the most that you could? You're sliding by. Then there's what's called an order of priorities. Where in the plan, you have to set the, what is the goal? Like what what am I trying to give over here? Again, you could open Megillah. You have a month to learn Megillah. You open it. We'll start from the beginning to the end. Most times you don't get to the end if you don't plan properly. As everyone knows, I mean, just look here, right? Am I going to get to all of this in 45 minutes? But I, I hope I set a, a set of priorities before I started to know, well, what is the eco? If I start running out of time, what is the essence of what I want to give over? And then the last one is, uh, and a very important one, as any educator knows, is... How they're going to use skhar and onish, reward and punishment. This is something that is unavoidable in, in, in educational situations. They are the most powerful tools an educator has, and they're the most dangerous. Because if one uses punishment in the wrong way, it's a disaster as far as children's education I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to over the years that because of one or two instances in their life usually when they're younger they literally walked away from Judaism because of the harshness of the punishment that they were, was meted out to them in first grade, third grade, fifth grade, we think, yeah. you send the kid out, you you know send him to the corner, you know slap his hands a little bit, whatever, uh, and we think it doesn't it doesn't leave its mark. That is so wrong. The younger the child is, the more sensitive they are, and you can literally turn off someone to Judaism for their entire life with the misuse of punishment on the other hand it's almost inevitable that to maintain discipline you have to know what your red lines are you have to know what the, the, the borders are and the students have to know also because once a student loses respect for you, it's finished and especially if a class loses respect for you it it becomes torture for the the educator because he's lost them and once you've lost them it's not that it's impossible to get them back it's almost impossible so therefore we have to think very carefully about setting what standards that we want uh, and what red lines And also the appropriate use of reward of making a student feel that he's being heard that what they're saying is good that they're succeeding that you notice their efforts you notice their improvement this has a tremendous effect of chizu for the student just even a few words Right, a student says something nice in class, and you ask them to stay after, and you say, "Wow, what a is said today!" I just wanted to tell you that the student is like beaming for the next three days. We don't realize, we don't realize it's the same thing really with parents and children. We don't realize how much uh, a good word gives strength. So this is in short the seven advices of the Frida Karebi for for education okay, Now we're, we're switching gears here to a different idea and this idea we'll call it an overview of what is happening in Jewish education today. In other words, it's, a, it's important to understand a wider context that you are operating in. Anytime you talk in great generalities, there's the danger that, oh, there's a little, in Israel it's a little bit different, and, uh, in South America it's a little bit different. I'm talking in very big generalities here. Very big generalities here. but let, we'll. we'll Focus in what we'll call it North America. But I think most of what we're saying is going to apply to everywhere. One of uh, Charles Dickens' books, The Tale of Two Cities, begins It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. This is a, a, a classic opening to a book. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. So this phrase can very well be applied to Jewish education today we'll start with the worst of times the worst of times that assimilation, intermarriage and Jewish illiteracy has never been as bad has never been as bad in my generation I believe the percentage of intermarriage is around 9% in just 30-40 years it's gone to over 50 percent and at the time of, uh, of my generation, my parents generation virtually everyone went to shul in Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, everyone had a Seder of Pesach parents even who had left everything behind would go for Yisker and the holidays you know, there were people who, who, who basically weren't even keeping mitzvah, but they still kept a kosher home. Uh, things have changed so dramatically. I'll just give you an example. There are approximately forty thousand Jews in Denver. Approximately forty thousand Jews. That's not counting in the outlying communities, where the unaffiliated rate will. Skyrocket Skyrocket So in Denver This is just an example If you took On Rosh Hashanah And Yom Kippur When the most Jews Go to the synagogue And you count Every Reform, Conservative Reconstructionist Orthodox Chavurah You name it There was a, There's approximately 10 to 20% of Denver Jews are ensured even on Rosh Hashanah. we know that Jewish illiteracy assimilation (laughs) it has never been worse on the other hand in Eretz Yisrael everyone has said there are more people learning Torah now in Eretz Yisrael than any time in Jewish history in 1945 I believe there were nine day schools in the entire United States nine now in North America there's something like 600 there's something like 600 day schools now so in other words the best of times is that the realization that there will be no Jewish continuity without a strong Jewish education has definitely caught on there are Jewish day schools all everywhere now communities big and small but what we want to look at is the, the curse, we already know what the curse is with, with, with the unaffiliated but within these 600 schools there is also a danger there is also a danger that many of the students only make it to 6th grade and then the parents pull them out when their education gets so called serious because they don't feel that they could get a balanced secular and religious education within a totally um, Jewish environment but even more than that and I deal with this all the time in, in my work in Eretz Israel. how many students from religious homes come out jaded in other words there are so many young people who are a product of a full yeshiva education they are not going to drop it but they are basically turned off so what I want to look at is what the problems are and what we can do about it the best of times and it's the worst of times so it's like a two pronged attack how do you how do you get to those who have fallen through the cracks who who are totally disconnected to Israel who if they have a bar and bat mitzvah that is the end of their Jewish education basically and then on the other hand all of those who are going through a religious education to make sure that when they finish that they come out strong, enthusiastic, proud and educated and not come out doing things by rote and somewhat cynical and jaded about, about Judaism. So in both approaches we can see similar problems similar problems what turns off students in these uh, what are called tamataras where they come learn for two hours a week in preparation for their Barabbat Mitzvah and what turns off students who are sitting all day here's just a, a number of ideas here number one is that too much of the teaching is frontal that it's directed from student to teacher teacher talks student listens takes notes that's the end of class you have a test on it and that's it you go through the whole semester like that not enough creativity not enough creative ideas to make the students feel that what they're learning is really a part of their lives is, is interesting is a turn on for them. There's a lack in most Jewish educational circumstances on independent thinking. Where the students are taught to think for themselves. To analyze a text. Now now these apply to religious and totally not religious, just different ways. We're here there is sort of, such an emphasis on we need to get through tractates such and such this year we have to get through these many halakhas in Mishnabrura and this and there is not enough teaching on how to analyze the text from one's own perspective so that's what we need there needs to be great changes in the entire educational paradigm in the whole model in marekhet is because really if you really think about it learning Gomorrah is the essence of independent thinking in other words there is learning what Shammai says and, and, and Hillel says but really when you learn Gomorrah it's to, it's to learn to, to think for yourself to analyze it to take it apart, what's behind it, what's the svora and there's there's this it's lacking tremendously lacking tremendously there's also uh, again when I talk in generalities there are some schools that maybe do some of these things I'm talking about in general there's a lack of experiences in other words for for knowledge to be integrated It has to be coupled with experience That's one of the most important things Let's say about the Shabbatonim Because you we, we teach about Shabbos And you teach Hilkos Shabbos And you teach about Tefillah And about community And all of these things But it all comes together in the Shabbatonim the experience of the Shabbaton, I'm just using this as, uh, as an example, but when they're singing and dancing at a Shabbaton, when the students get to give the Debre Torah, when they uh, the students are part of planning the Shabbaton and some of the activities, and when you have uh, good themes and good subjects, and the students get to eat together and they get to learn together and and just experience Shabbos this is worth its weight in gold because it takes all of the formal teaching and it puts it together and therefore every school should have you know you learn a, a whole year about let's say the Holocaust and then you cap off the year and you take the students to Washington and you go to the Museum of the Holocaust and uh, you have them meet survivors and you have them do some kind of an action. So it, it puts it all together. Without experience, it just it just stays up here. Right. And then one of the, the biggest uh problems is how to make Judaism contemporary and relevant to the students. This is a huge problem whether they're for the non religious, they just have written off religion as having absolutely nothing to do with their lives. They go to they go to uh you know, to learn for two hours a week in Sunday school for an hour and half of the time the teacher is disciplining them and yelling at them and the other half they're just kind of told what Judaism says on the most superficial level they get to age 13 and the the only conclusion they can come to is this has absolutely nothing to do with my life nothing it doesn't touch anything and they're out of there And you can't blame them. It's really not their fault. And you know what? If they learn something good, they'll go home and it won't be in the home. Let's say they have this great teacher and he teaches them about Shabbos, right? And the student, like they're in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, and they're like, sounds great. And they go home and the parents, like, you know, look at them like, you want us to do Shabbat? we're sending you there to learn about it we don't do it forget it, they're, they're finished, they're out of there okay, and I'm saying this because I know that you go around to the different schools some of the schools are a little bit more traditional than the others but some of the Shabbatonim you're doing is exactly what this is and so what the problem is you have the shabbatonica and they and they'll love it they'll love it and then the next week, it's like, like they'd love, if, if, if if their if their mother would just like candles, if they would just make kids, but it doesn't happen. So what do they see? Hypocrisy. They see duparsofim. They see hypocrisy, and they like again. I'm out of here. But for the religious, the the problem is different but similar. Mm. It's that that they, let's say they experience a Shabbaton and someone comes in and inspires them and they have Karl Bach Davening and they're really enjoying it and they're singing and they're dancing and then they go back to their regular shul and it's like nebuch. It's, it's nebuch it's dry it's done as quickly as possible and and a lot of times in, in their homes and obviously this is not true across the board of course but I'm just saying that too many times the, the atmosphere in the school and the home is a rote kind of Judaism so that's, that's where the cynicism comes from in other words they want something deeper here and there they touch something deeper But the whole atmosphere around them is just go through the motions. We're not... It's just the opportunity to, to get into the learning or the praying or the experiences of the mitzvah. It's just not the in thing to do. And so therefore, it leads, it's very unconscious, but it leads to a type of cynicism. And the other thing is, most of these students are going to go on to college most of these students are going to become professionals most of these students are going to become successful professionals and rise even to the top of their profession and so if they're not religious so they have the same problem Judaism has nothing to do with any of this but even with the religious there's this danger of a, 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 like a split personality there's my work and my profession and that's one part of my life and then when I come home I put on the kippah and I, you know, say brachas and I'm religious and it's a big problem it's a big problem that especially when students are in high school and college and they're starting to think of what I want to do with my life it's so critical that they, they feel and understand that, that Torah and, and secular knowledge Torah in Derch Eretz can go together it doesn't have to be a dichotomy it does not have to be a split personality and so therefore there's two ideas that hopefully uh, will be integrated into the wider Jewish uh, paradigm of education. Are these the two ideas that we talked about? That experience has to be integrated throughout in formal education, informal education. You know, why we see it because. Why is informal education so successful? Because the emphasis is on experience. In other words, they they've learned their formal part, and now the informal are the experiences, and that's why it's so successful. That's why summer camps leaves a profound effect on 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 young people. Going to Israel on the you know the six week Israel program. Because most of it is informal. So the idea is that we should take the best of informal education and make it part and parcel of formal education. And not to separate them. Not that from 8 until 4 is formal education. And then twice a week at night is the nea kiva or NCSY or the school youth group or whatever it is in other words experience whether it's ma sing tovin qi Onan, of learning through experiences learning through independent thinking I, one of the classes in Denver I used to teach 8th graders and every year uh, I never gave them a final exam they had to create a project and then explain it to the class based on what we were learning and they had to write a paper you would not believe the efforts these students made for these projects because it was fun but it was super educational and they would come in with these things that they could have done in an hour and still gotten a good grade, we would spend days and come in with these incredible projects. And that just shows you because they wanted to integrate it. They wanted to... Right? And then I would have a paper that they would have to express their own ideas of what we learned. Not just, what did we learn this year? But I would... I would formulate in a way what is your idea about what we learn and and the second thing is this idea we actually learn how to integrate secular and religious subjects in other words Torah wisdom and secular knowledge in other words these are the two ideas that are most needed in Jewish education whether it's religious or non-religious it would be manifest in completely different ways but both the problems of Jewish education are very similar and their solutions are similar anyways I'll end with a bracha Hmm. that uh, Hashem has put you all of you in a very unique situation Shlichut and You have the opportunity to change and improve and turn on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of individuals in the whatever it's going to be, one, two, three, four years that you'll be here. Um, You have no idea how many opportunities you have on a daily level to influence, to draw close, to awaken to uh, to give strength and Hashem should bless you with with chen Uh, that might be the most important thing to find chain in the eyes of people around you that in a sense uh, encompasses everything we've talked about because uh, people work on first images and chemistry right so if they feel they can relate to you they'll listen to you if they feel that they can't relate to you they will not listen to you right they might have to listen to you to get their grade but they're not listening to you so I bless you with pain, and what is Chain from? love uh, if you love your students and you love your your mission here then it will radiate from you like a lighthouse that's why it's called the lighthouse because a ship way out at sea sees in the distance the light and is drawn to it it gives it its orientation and so therefore you should all be a lighthouse and affect hundreds and hundreds of young people